podcast where you're invited to an audio tour of each of the world's 197 sovereign states. My name is Brad. My name is Kiki. And as always, we are your hosts. Oh shit, I fucked up. It's fine, just keep going. <laughs> um, this is our first morning podcast. We're in the library at school. We're going to see how it goes. We'll probably be back on regular time, but the first three weeks of school have been kind of like, how do we do a podcast and be students? And Great. I got a mouthful of Starburst right now. <laughs> Very true. Um, but we're going to get a little bit off script today, and the country we're bringing you, though, is the country of St. Kitts and Nevis. and Nevis. Um, before we get into the snapshot, let's do some of our initial familiarity ratings before research. That's a good pronunciation. You really killed it that time. We don't even have our script in front of us. It was just an organic good, good phrase, y'all. 17 times is the charm. Anyway, my uh, initial familiarity rating... Oh no, I pulled a red. St. Kids and Nevis is a zero. Know nothing about it. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. What about you? I'm going to go with a zero, too. I knew nothing. I always knew it was a fun place to know the name of, but I didn't know anything yeah. besides that. I always like um, countries with, like, multiple words in the in the country name. I just think it's nice. Maybe it's because of the United States of America. But, yeah. The <laughs> Federation of St. Christopher and Nevis. We'll get into why it's called St. Christopher. <laughs> oh. But, you know, why don't we go into the snapshot, which I will do. Let's do it, Kiki. So... The Federation of St. Christopher and Nevis, more commonly known as St. Kitts and Nevis. It's an island country in the West Indies. So it's in the Leeward Islands, which if you remember from our Antigua and Barbuda episode, same island chain, they're neighbors. Um, this is in the Lesser Antilles. Antilles. And that's just what they call the smaller group of the Antilles. There's the Greater Antilles, but honestly, I don't know if they're all that great. Um, <laughs> so they, you know, I feel like... I would call them the smaller but just as good Antilles. (laughs) Uh, And it's the smallest sovereign state in the Western Hemisphere. So it's like the Lebanon of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, In area and population, (laughs) the country's motto is country above self, which is nice, you know. Yeah. Patriotic, I guess. Capital is Basatera, and it's located on St. Kitts. The official languages are English, um, but the common vernacular is called St. Kitts Creole. Demographics. You guys something to say, Brad? No, I was just saying like Creole. Creole. Um, the demographics are 75% African descent, uh, 12.3% Afro-European, 5.3% mixed race, 5% East Indian or Afro-East Indian, um, 3% other, and then 3% South Asian ethnic groups. The demonym or name for people who come from these islands are Kitatian, Kitichian, 
Ketishian? I don't know. I think Ketishian sounds cool. Yeah. Um, or a Navizian. The government is a federal parliamentary constitutional monarchy uh, because it's a commonwealth country. Uh, monarch is um, <laughs> potential murderer <laughs> Elizabeth II. It's up in the air. <laughs> we'll get into that on our UK episode. We already have. <laughs> um, the governor general is Sir S.W. Tapley Seaton. Good name. And the prime minister is Timothy Harris. The area is 261 square kilometers. Not very big. <laughs> Not even a single Lebanon. I gotta think, like, um, uh, how big is our campus? Maybe probably probably bigger than that. Our campus is not over 200 square You're kilometers, right. Kiki. Holy shit. Guess what? I normally look at these in miles. You do yours in kilometers, and I do mine in miles. <laughs> so I have no idea. <laughs> even though our campus is, like, maybe <laughs> two square kilometers. I'm sorry. I wish I'd never said it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh, God. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep going. The population is 54,821, which is more comparable to the campus. That, that's actually exactly right. That probably is our campus population. Um, according to a 2016 estimate, the currency is the East Caribbean dollar. Um, it's called St. Kitts. So the etymology, which I'll take care of now, um, St. Kitts was originally named Limuiga, which roughly translates as fertile land by the... Kalinago people who originally inhabited the island. The name has been preserved in uh, St. Kitts' western peak, not Laimuiga. Uh, Nevis's pre-Columbian name was Uwali, which means land of beautiful waters. I like that a lot. That's pretty nice. Uwali. Um, so we're going to get into a little bit more about why it's called, um, what it's called now in our in our timeline, right? Yeah, yeah, you can skip over that. Um, so, yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like we could probably uh, take... No, no, we'll get into the geography, the physical geography. So, two main islands, as you may have derived from the name. Uh, so, there's mountainous, or at least they have a mountain. The highest peak is Mount Laimuiga on St. Kitts, and that is 3,793 feet tall. And the southernmost point is Dogwood Point on Nevis. Um, volcanic islands have tropical rainforest. Uh... Yeah, I think we should just go into the timeline. Okay, dope. Yep. Um, so we got some geography. We got our our, um, our bearings set. Let's get into the history. Um, all right, the history of St. Kitts and Nevis. So a little overview here. So um, they have some of the longest written histories in the Caribbean um, because both these islands were among England and Spain's first colonies in the Antilles, in the Caribbean, the greater Caribbean. Um, they're only two miles apart. But they were um, separate entities basically up until the late 1800s. Um, if tides didn't exist, I could have swam between the two of them in high school. There is, I read this in the cultural segment, there is a, a swimming race betwe- in between the Narrows, the two-mile gulf. Oh. And it's a race that so you can do it fastest. That's cool. Um, I think it's from St. Kitts to Nevis. Um, okay. And then there's three major eras. You have the pre-Columbian era, or like most of history. It's for you, Columbus. Um, that's from 2900 BC to 1493. Then you have like this European meddling <laughs> colonial rule era, 1493 to 1883. And then you have the St. Kitts and Nevis proper, 1883 to the present. I'm going to jump right in. Um, Pre Columbian era, um, the first natives to live on the island, um, as early as 3000 years ago, were called the Saboni people. A little bit more about them in the next slide. Yes, and same with Antigua and Barbuda, if you guys all remember. Yep. I mean, and Duke and Barbuda is directly to the south 
east, the, the closest neighbor. So yeah, I just recognize that name. Um, though they didn't have any pottery, and that's how you usually do a lot of dating and origins with like pottery artifacts. Um, the Saboni people were followed by the Arawak people slash the Taino people. We'll get into that in the next slide too in 800 AD. Um, so the warlike island Carib people, um, they had expanded north of St. Kitts by St. Nevis, St. Kitts by the time of the Spanish conquest. Um, and the peak native populations occurred between five and 600 AD. And a little more about the cultures. So I had this neat little infographic that you can't see because the podcasts are an audio medium. But it's really nice. I can look at it for you. Um, yeah, so the, the Taino people originated in the kind of the Cuba island chain and they migrated down the Antilles. And so the central kind of um, Taino peoples, um, they weren't the classic Tainos. They're the, they became the Saboni people. They became separate because they had a distinct culture by the time they had really migrated down these island chains. Um, it had different kind of chiefdoms and stuff. They were separate from the Cuban power structure of those kind of peoples, and they became separate. And those were followed by the Arawak peoples. Um, so they originated in South American, in South America. Um, they have actual um, like tribal on the mainland and stuff, but they moved up into the island chain, and they're um, known as Arawak because of their this Arawak and language family. So based on language is how they're connected to these mainland kind of like tribes. And those persist into the day with the same kinds of like uh, like genetic lines and stuff. So they're still oh, cool. around, which is really cool. Um, doop, doop, doop. A little more about them. Um, so we get into the first Europeans who came, and that's in 1493 for Christopher Columbus. Oh, wait. I think we actually have a recovered audio file of, um, of the islanders at the time. Yeah, this is, yeah, this I is I guess we'll just listen into that again. Peak history. Um, We'll edit that second part out. Because you suck, Christopher. Uh, yeah, Christopher, you're literally the worst person in history. All fair, of it. Fair yeah. enough. Um, so the first Europeans to, to see the islands that come in and start meddling was Christopher Columbus with the Spanish. Uh, this was in November 19, in 1493 on his second voyage. Um, and he named St. Kitts San uh, Jorge. Yeah, good one. St. George. And then he named Nevis San Martin because he saw it on St. Martin's Day or whatever. Um, I think it's San Martin, but I'm not going to get nitpicky about it. You shouldn't because I don't know anyway. Um, <laughs> so by 1540, um, Nevis was um, Nieves. 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 Okay, that's what they were calling it. The Spanish was. Um, and it was a an abbreviation of Santa Maria de las Nieves. Santa um, um, Maria de las Nieves? Precisely. Um, and it was a reference to the cloud cover that was like snow-like on the island. Because like, uh, Nieves in, in Espanol means snow. Oh, well that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, other notable European interventions in this early period are um, St. Francis Drake actually visited St. Christopher's Island, St. Kitts. I think St. Francis Drake, sorry for interrupting, I think he also needs a cue, and I think it should be Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can make that happen later. That'll be another episode um, then. And he visited in 1585. And um, doop doop doop. Um, so other stuff that happened in 1607, Captain John Smith of Pocahontas Infamy stopped at Nevis for five days um, before he went to Virginia, um, and he documented the many hot springs in Nevis. Good job, John Smith. I hope your pleasure cruise was worth it. Um, <laughs> and it was a nice vacation from the smallpox spreading and, and stuff. It's hard work. Actually, um, I can't prove that John Smith was a dick. I just had a feeling that he was. Yeah. 
Um, certainly wasn't the handsome hunk that, never mind. Anyway, um, okay. So we have getting to a period where they've discovered the island, they're trying to lay claims to it, and then different European powers start skirmishing over it. This is from 1623 to 1700. Um, so Sir Thomas Warner, he's an Englishman, arrived on St. Kitts in January 1623 with 15 settlers and came to terms with the then Carib chief, um, Ubuutoo Tegremonte. Um, there were already three Frenchmen on the island. They were either Huguenot refugees, pirates, or castaways, or all three if they were badasses. Sounds like a pretty cool <laughs> island. Um, and then this is the first of the major hurricanes we have recorded. Hurricanes buffet and destroy St. Kitts and Nevis frequently throughout well, history. Sucks. So this hurricane of September 1623 wiped out the tobacco and vegetable crops, but luckily the colony survived and would start growing. Um, there were uh, other notable people came, like um, Warner's friend, Colonel John Jefferson, who built a manor there. And this Jefferson may have been an ancestor of Thomas Jefferson's. Oh. So that's interesting. However, in 1625, bad things start happening because a French captain shows up, Pierre Blanc d'Estambouc, whatever. I don't know his name. I can't pronounce it. Um, he arrived on St. Kitts. He had a, a big brigantine, lots of guns, a crew of 40 men. Um, he got into a three-hour battle with the Spanish. Um, and after that, after that battle, they split the island into four quarters, with the English in the middle and the French on the two ends. Um, at this time, uh, one of the French cardinals, uh, he formed this company of St. Christopher, and they started importing slaves from Senegal. And this starts the slave trade on St. Kitts, um, which will grow exponentially and become one of the major factors of the economy and the history there, which is really, um, really sad, because we just did Angola and stuff. And Okay. Uh, yeah, we have some very strong feelings about slavery, and none of them are good. Just for listeners who doubted that. <laughs> um, all right, and so this gets into the period where St. Kitts, at this time, St. Nevis isn't really connected yet, but St. Kitts is really known for cash crops and slavery. So their earliest cash crop was tobacco, along with ginger and indigo dye. Um, however, the North American colonies, I think, they made a lot of indigo in Carolinas. So yeah, anyway, yeah. they deflated the price, and there was like a moratorium on tobacco farming in St. Kitts and Indigo too. And this started the first production of sugar from sugarcane, and that's in 1643 on Kitts and 1648 on Nevis. So sugarcane becomes the cash crop, and that's going to persist up until the 2000s. Um, let's see. So indentured servants were common at first because of the chartering kind of system of the English. Um, but fewer than half survived, so the field work started requiring um, enslaved peoples. Um, and the, the number of slaves um, on St. Kitts would double by the end, before the end of the 17th century. Um, and then by 1780, the Nevis population had grown to 10,000, and 90% of them were slaves. Um, very hard working conditions, wasn't fun. Um, the mortality rate of the Middle Passage was notorious and evil. All right, so get back into historical events. Um, so I have it here, just a little blurb, like lots of European fighting ref was reflecting wars back home. So like, for example, you have like the War of Spanish Succession back home, and that would cause fighting on the island because of, you know, Spanish tensions. Or like Napoleon would do something back home and then the French would fight here, or they would lose power because they had to go home. Yeah. So like, European wars influenced fighting here. It's just too many of them to go into. Other notable events in 1690, a massive earthquake and tsunami destroyed the city of Jamestown, and that was the capital of Nevis at that time. 
so much damage was done to it that the city was completely abandoned. And it's reputed that the whole city actually broke off from the island and sank into the sea, a la Atlantis. Um, and the actual landmass has moved like a hundred yards to the west since then, um, which means like anything that was part of that town now is like underwater or underground, oh. which is really interesting. Um, yep, there was more devastation in the War of Spanish Succession. Um, French governor there um, surrendered to a, um, a British governor and they came to get control of the islands and this starts when the British started cementing their control so 1700 to 1883 was the main time of like British imperialism before they become like more uh, hands-off more common middle style so officially the Treaty of Utrecht was signed in 1713 that's when the French seceded their ceded their portion of St. Kitts to the British and so the British had complete control of the islands in 1713 um, it took over. It took off as a leader in sugar production. Um, <laughs> uh, there was uh, lots of monocrop cultivation because of the, just the sugar um, uh, preeminence, and so there's lots of soil erosion. There's the, because we Kiki said there's these volcanic islands. There's these high slopes of the rainforests going up those, and um, that soil erosion really eroded that and stuff. Um, because they constantly had to like rebuild berms and stuff. Uh, an interesting fact is that Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, that that Alexander Hamilton. He was born in Nevis. He spent most of his childhood there, and then on Saint Croix. Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, in Nevis. this is this is that spot. Um, and then I don't know where Saint Croix is, but then it belonged to Denmark. It's still a very uh, popular vacation spot. Okay, so now it's one of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Okay, so Alexander Hamilton's born in Nevis, so that's a cool connection. Um, and then by 1776, I'm boring here by other standards, St. Kitts had become the richest British colony in the Caribbean. Um, the French had a continued attacks and stuff like that, but um, you know, British rule was really consolidated and recognized under the final Treaty of Versailles in 1783. This gets into like the pre-Commonwealth era of the early 19th century. Um, so the African slave trade was formally terminated within the British Empire in 1807, and then slavery itself outlawed in 1834. Um, and then each each enslaved person after this period gained a four-year apprenticeship, apprenticeship in quotes, and they worked for their former owners for wages. I'm sure that was very progressive. Um, and then so one Nevis. Uh, more than almost 9,000 slaves were freed this way, while St. Kitts had almost 20,000 slaves freed this way. So there were substantial amounts of the population no longer enslaved. Um, and then in 1871, something was created called the Federation of the Leeward Islands Colony. And this meant the end of these elected assemblies that, took, that were in control in Britain, uh, but they were now appointed governors to come. So in 1883, the governments of St. Kitts, Nevis, and Kiki, what is this called? Anguilla? Anguilla. Anguilla. Good job. Yes. They combined into the St. Kitts Assembly. So they had their own representation. Um, of the ten seats in this assembly, Nevis had two, or Antia had one, which means St. Kitts had the rest, I suppose. Um, this gets, we, we're going to jump forward a little bit because nothing really substantial happens in the history here up until like the Great Depression. So um, that brought about the collapse of sugar prices, and that was the birth of like this labor movement in St. Kitts and Nevis, which is a big political trend that's going to continue into the 20th century. Um, there was a workers' league, uh, there were labor riots, um, it was rechristened in the, in the 1940s at the St. Kitts and Nevis Trades and Labor Union, 
um, under the leadership of Robert Llewellyn Bradshaw. He's a big um, political figure in St. Kitts and Nevis history. Um, let's see, he became... What a name. Yeah, he got put on the Legislative Council in '46, and the Labor Party would go on to dominate political life in the Twin Island State for more than 30 years. So the Labor Party here, brought about by the collapse of the sugar prices, I mean, that was everything was hedged on that um, back then. All right, this gets into island politics. We're in the pretty much in the modern day, 20th century, leading in 21st century. Um, uh, so the islands remain this Leeward Islands Federation until they joined the failed West Indies Federation from 1958 to 1962. I remember that. Yep. Um, and which St. Christopher, Nevis, Antia was a... Anguilla. Anguilla was a separate state. Antilles and Anguilla messes me up. No, I got it, I got it. Um, and then Robert, I think they did it on purpose because they knew that you would eventually be reading it. Sneaky. Robert Bradshaw was the finest minister of finance for this short-lived country. And then in uh, 1967, the islands became an associated state of Britain. Uh, in the same year, Anguilla had a major secession movement. Bad timing. <laughs> I was going to go, but then I had to bring the volume up. It's okay. Weekly. Rural Britannia. Um... <laughs> Uh, so Anguilla had a major Anguilla had a major secession movement supported by St. Kitts itself. They also had a people's action movement. Um, so both forces worked together, um, and Anguilla was able to successfully break away from the Union in 1971. Um, there was opposition to Bradshaw's original rule, uh, especially by families and supporters of former estate owners, and they founded the People's Action Movement Party in 1964. I thought it was over frustration from uh, like a raise in like, electricity rights. I don't think they got electricity until like 1954 on, I think I read, on St. Kitts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was lots of, um, lots of complaints, lots of opposition. We um, go into um, this period where this, this opposition, this, um, these, these bad people kind of lead into the movement that gets autonomy from Britain. So here's a small little synopsis of what happens. Uh, St. Kitts and Nevis, along with Anguilla, became an associated state with full internal autonomy in 1967, which we just read. Anguilla rebelled and separated from the others in 1977. St. Kitts and Nevis, however, achieved independence from the United Kingdom in, 18, in 1983. At that point, it was the newest sovereign state in the Americas. In August 1998, a vote in Nevis, on, uh, in Nevis won a referendum to separate from St. Kitts fell short of the required two-thirds majority. So Nevis wanted to get out of there but they didn't have enough votes. And then in late September 1998, um, Hurricane George's, or George's? Oh, it's just Hurricane George. Where? I call it Hurricane George because it looks French. Okay, Hurricane George. Um, it caused over almost half a billion dollars in damages and property. It limited GDP growth for a year and beyond. It was the worst hurricane to hit the region in the 20th century. So just after they get independence, like a decade later, they get hit by this huge hurricane, which is a big um, influence what they do in the early 2000s. Look at that in a second. One of the main reasons they got autonomy was that um, that the Labor Party had some confusion in that PAM party we mentioned earlier, and they were successful in a few elections. And um, basically, the, the poorest people on the islands, those sugar workers, they all kind of consolidated and they um, they helped capture new seats. And um, yeah. They got a good coalition going, and they got their autonomy. And this get I have heard, it's a sweet end, because in 2005, because of that major damage from the hurricane and it's like years of monocrop culture, um, St. Kitts saw the closure of its sugar industry, 
It's 365 years long. That's a huge um, industry. Um, yeah, I mean, they're making huge losses. Their European Union cut sugar prices, stuff like that. And then that led to the period we're in now, which is the time of tourism. So them as like a tourist destination, they want people to come to the island. Um, so they're dependent nowadays upon tourism to drive the economy. It's been expanding since the 70s, but now it's at its prime. In 2009, for example, there were half a million arrivals to St. Kitts. Um, this is a 40% growth from 2007. That's very good. Yeah. Um, yep. So as tourism increases, there's more demand for vacation property, obviously. And then um, they started hosting an annual music festival to expand tourism. So right now they're neat. Right now they're building up. They're trying to get people to come. Um, kind of similar to Antigua and Barbuda. Um, kind of parallelisms there, yeah. obviously, as neighbors. Um, but that's all I got for history. I think that's a super good history, and I think that does take us to our first break, and then we'll come yep. back with the flag corner. We sure will. favorite segment. So the flag of St. Kitts and Nevis, I'm going to try my best to give you guys a nice visual description of what it looks like. Paint a picture if you can. It is a red, green, yellow, black, and white flag. It's a lot of colors. Many. Um, so what, so it's like green in the top, what is this, left, left hand corner? Yeah, that's left. It's taken me 25 years to figure it out. I don't think I ever will. <laughs> um, so that's like the top left corner is green and then the bottom right corner is red and in the middle it's a black diagonal stripe with two white stars in it um, bordered by some some yellow bars Kiki, i bet you anything those two stars represent st kitts and you know we'll get into that because there's it. a high chance that you're right um, the colors in the symbols in the flag carry cultural political and regional meetings the green alludes to the country's fertile land while the red reminds those of the fight for freedom against slavery and colonialism. The yellow stripes represent the sunshine that the islands enjoy all year round, and the black epitomizes the people's African origins. Uh, the two stars do represent St. Kitts and Nevis. Calling like a season. <clears throat> as well as hope and liberty. Nice. Uh, so the official meaning behind this was formulated by a man called Idris Lewis. He also designed it. So... That's the flag. It's a good one. It's striking, yeah. Yeah. If you had told me, if you had shown me this flag in a vacuum and told me it wasn't a flag of an African nation, I would have believed you because it has those pan-African colors. Yeah, it's pan-African colors. I was going to bring that up too. Um, and that's like when I was learning my flags, I always get this confused with, I don't know, like Sautome and um, the one that goes with Sautome. I'm just nodding. I don't know. Yeah, there. It's another island nation, but that goes off of Africa. But yeah, that's what it is. Looks a little similar to the Syrian flag, too, with the two stars. That's true, yeah. Um, well, this has been the flag corner, and my voice is taking a uh, small vacation. You should go to St. Kitts. Yeah, maybe you should go to St. Kitts because it's going real fast. <laughs> um, let's get to our cultural discussion while I choke this out. All right, well, Kiki's choking to death. <laughs> let's get into cultural discussion. Um... Yeah, I have only a few things to bring up. 
Um, we're trying to have a shorter episode because we're recording in the morning. We have class coming up. But um, one cool thing I learned is that the, um, the St. Kitts football team, the men's national football team there, they're known as the Sugar Boys with a Z oh, after boys. <laughs> so the Sugar Boys. Sugar um, Boys. I think that's awesome. They actually had a string of successful games you know, a couple years ago in qualifying. I mean, because they're such a small nation, you wouldn't think that they'd have the chops to fight off like United States and Mexico, but they gave them really good, um, really good performances, and they beat some like other Caribbean nations like Jamaica, I think they beat in a, in a game. Which is that's big for a small country to perform on the national stage, any sport. So the Sugar Boys. I love the Sugar Boys. Look, my voice is back. I got back from vacation on. Um, I went. To, we went to Nevis, and it was. I mean, a great destination. I wish I could have spent longer there, instead of the past, you know, two seconds, when I was coughing it out. Anyway, uh, I like the cultural connection to Alexander Hamilton. I think it's really neat. And once um, I realized that was happening, I scrambled really quick to get that music cue up. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> um, which was a little, a little later. I don't have you know too much to say. It's very similar to Antigua and Barbuda, which um, was one of my favorite episodes, one of the earlier ones that we did. Uh, I, I like that island tourism. I did a little bit of research about that. There's some beautiful places to see. It's very resorty. It's very resorty. Stuff at every price point. This isn't a travel podcast, but it really could be. Because there's some places that we know for sure that we don't want to go on vacation. True. And places that we do know we do want to go on vacation. And St. Kitts and Nevis is one of them. Uh, Yeah, I guess uh, that's about what I have to say for now. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just find it fascinating that... You had to that small laugh. You don't have to. I was just like, that Saint Kitts and Nevis, they're, they're separated by like a two mile channel. You can you can like see them from across the channel. They're very very close together. But the fact that they were seen as separate entities and almost were separate entities when they had that referendum to became for Nevis to separate. I mean that's it, it's surprising because of how Antigua and Barbuda are farther apart, but they got lumped together very very early. I guess like a package deal, quote-unquote, but I think it's very fascinating that they've, they remain autonomous and, you know, they still have separate identities despite, you know, the advent of colonialism and all that, doing everything against them. Kiki? They are volcanic islands. True. Um, I don't actually remember if Antigua and Barbuda were, I don't think they ever mentioned them being volcanic. I don't think they were volcanic. They did a boggy peak, that's where that they was, They had right? boggy peak, they had, and they had the, <laughs> Okay, huh. They have those pink sand beaches, which doesn't seem volcanic to me. Mm-mm. No, because that means there's a high iron content in the sand. How does pink correlate to iron? Red. Barium. Iron rust. Hmm. I think. I took a, geo- I took a geology ca- course in undergrad. Because I remember like, it was like rose quartz. And it's that present like, I think it's hematite or whatever. Hmm. Um, you know, don't quote me. This isn't a geology podcast. If you guys are going to get nitpicky, you should have dropped out before. Um, they do have white and black sand beaches. Okay. One of my dreams is to go to a black sand beach, but the other thing about me is I hate beaches. I don't like being on them. What? Um, so when I go to beaches, all I think about is all the dead skin that got exfoliated from the sand. So I'm just walking on like pounds and pounds of just skin. No, you're not. Yeah. I feel like... <laughs> I, it's wrong. Um, and I think about like all the things, things, people, animals that have pooped on the beach. I'm walking in poop. 
I think about the vast expanse of the ocean and how it could kill me very easily. Well, I mean, dirt is just, is this all of that not close to the water? Well, I have my feelings, and I, you're not going to recruit me to liking beaches, but I would like to see a black one from far away. My roommate beach. went to Iceland and saw a black sand beach and showed me a picture. It looked like something out of a Lovecraft novel. It was very scary. Well, I guess I won't go see one then, Brad. I guess I will ah. just abandon that dream and avoid beaches completely. When you can't recruit them, you just break their hearts. <laughs> um, I learned that the bird of St. Kitts is the brown pelican, which my grandma... <laughs> that sounds boring. No, no, this is lovely. My grandma loves brown pelicans because we have a beach house in Dolphin Island, oh, South Alabama. Oh, beach house on Well, we did. It got blown away by Katrina. Oh. But... Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny. She had lots of, like, pictures and, like, portraits of pelicans. She had effigies of them, carbon wood and driftwood pelicans everywhere. Um, pelicans are, like, the avatar of my grandmother. You know how, like, the grandma in Moana becomes a stingray? I haven't seen Moana. You haven't seen Moana? great spoiler, Brad. No. I haven't seen it now. I probably never will, so. It's good. I don't watch movies that are for children. It's, it's I'm got, an adult that watches movies for adults. It's got broad appeal. Okay, Kiki, didn't you watch, like, all of Sex in the City recently? I think Moana's more intelligent than Sex in the City. It's not what I'm done. <laughs> I did watch all of Sex in the City, and guess what? I didn't like it. Well, you watch all of it, though. Yeah, because once you get started, you can't stop. Um, yeah, great discussion on, on St. Kitts and Nevis. Um, oh, that's what else, cool. What else you got, Kiki? And the islands are known for something um, called goat water. That sounds delicious. <laughs> it's a stew made from the neck, bones, and meat of goat. Oh, goat water. Um, so, yeah, I feel like goat water is something I will maybe be incorporating into my diet. I'm a vegetarian, so I think I'll just actually have the water part of it. Just train out the goat. Yeah. This is goat water, uh, sans goat. All right. One thing I just remember we did not mention is the fact that it's called St. Christopher in Nevis. But Kits is and Kit is like a really common abbreviation or Nick slang for Christopher and yeah, I didn't know that. But I've always heard like Kit, like, oh, this is Kit Cartridge. Or... Oh, Kit. I, I don't know. That's a thing, I guess. There was an American girl doll named Kit. I don't think it was short for Christopher, though. But I had her. Wasn't it strange? Yeah. Well, dang, that's a, that's a good little discussion. Got yeah. Into some good, good history. Um, it's great to talk more about Caribbean nations. I think they're excellent. I think it's almost time, though, for another big nation, don't you think? Yeah, I think we, I want to get into, like, a multi-part history Extravaganza. Like we, yeah, you know, we should have done Japan with like episode one, episode yeah, two. Yeah, that's what I keep. That's, I think that's our, my biggest regret to this point is that when we have a, a country that is a is a biggie, a large population, long history country, it needs to be divided. Um, so we'll yep. see uh, next week which our country will be in just a few moments. We will. Uh, but until then, why don't I just give our plugs and stuff? Okay. Is there is there something else that we normally do? Oh no, we see what how we feel, how much we know afterwards. Yeah. Post familiarity ratings and our current events, what we're doing in the world. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of things that we do. I'm not trying to rush this process. Don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, so my uh, post familiarity rating, actually, I feel like I knew a lot more about St. Kitts and Nevis because of what I knew about uh, Antigua and Barbuda. So I feel like I need to po- post fact, uh, go back and change my initial familiarity rating to like a two. Wow. Because of their shared history and parallel history and what we know what's going on there. And it boosts that to a four. Wow. Okay. Shit. <coughs> Shit. Um, so I'm still going to get myself at a zero. I think there was... Because par- so you didn't learn anything? And- no, I mean... Oh, right. you, have no. A different, you have a different opinion of how no. you learn. I'm going to keep myself at a zero as opposed to... I, yeah, I did know a lot from Antigua and Barbuda, but I don't think it 
that, that, I knew, that I knew enough to like branch over here. Okay. Because I forget a lot of it. Um, <laughs> I guess when. So, so I'm gonna go from a zero to just like a two. Oh, okay. Just keep it pretty low. I think though my greater Caribbean familiarity rating has gone up for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. It's it's cool seeing like the chain of islands and like we've done two more blocks in the chain. I mean it's like it's cool seeing that and seeing like like the names of like tribes seen again the names of like you know yeah I think like the more we hear about them and the more we learn about the individual tribes and like what kind of people they were um, it really paints the full picture of pre-colonial Caribbean for us Um, and then as as we go on to knowing more about the slave trade and how that had a huge economic impact on the areas left a whole bunch of people uh, enslaved and then like kind of employed and then eventually free but with no resources and how they turn that into thriving economies today yep so anyway uh my what's going on this week for me i'll just yep. kick it off i didn't get Let's into too much uh, reading i read one book called sourdough by robin sloan very funny book um sourdough so the the plot is there's this woman she works in tech as a programmer for robot arms like, she graduates, she likes her job, but she's kind of scooped up by a Silicon Valley tech firm yeah. that's highly competitive. People there don't even eat. They just drink this Soylent-type product called <laughs> Slurry. Soylent Green, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she <laughs> finds this, like, underground restaurant that's operated out of this guy's apartment or whatever that makes delicious bread and this, like, nice spicy soup and sandwich thing. Nice. And so these people are eventually deported. And they stop by her apartment on their way out of the country, and they're like, can you, like, this is our gift to you. This is our sourdough starter. And so she learns how to make the bread. No, that's yeah. beautiful. And, what? Um, like, in the culture that they gave her, the sourdough culture, is kind of funny. Like, it has a lot of little quirks. Uh, and she makes, like, these bread that has her, like, faces in it, and everyone's just so surprised about how good her bread is. And then she learns, like, she builds her own oven, and she starts making more bread. Um, she brings it to a farmer's market, which turns out to be this weird, futuristic, alternative foods. What genre market. is this book? I can't even say because there's like some <laughs> like it's it's just very funny about like the mashup between like tech culture and like food culture and like real versus um, like authentic foods versus it, it's like, like produced foods. It's like a fanfic <laughs> of PETA from Hunger Games, but if he was like. Kind of, <laughs> went, kind to, of went to San Fran. Um, so that was by Robin Sloan. Um, it's just, it was just really, it was a Sounds good read. And it was funny. Like, there's just, like, a lot of, like, ways. I think they say, like, I can't, there's a time where, like, the main character says something like, I don't know why this tech, like, I don't know why I went when this tech company picked me, but I am of the Harry Potter generation. And mm-hmm. any any one person of the Harry Potter generation just wants to be sorted. Yeah. Which is why she, wants, she goes to work for this company that doesn't really completely appeal to her I don't know that just kind of stuck with me because I want to be sorted I want to be chosen to be chosen yeah it's big um, anyway I also read uh, The Undoing Project where I'm like halfway through it actually it's by Michael Lewis I've heard about that yeah it's I, I think it's probably one that's better saved until I'm no longer a grad student hmm. and it's a lot of it's more analytical and it's kind of narrative but I think I need to I think I should focus on reading for entertainment because I'm reading so much academically now so um, yeah, those are my books for the week. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing much else new happening with me. Cool. Um, <coughs> in my world, I'm just, uh, you know, college football season starting back, and 
that gives me a good dose of home every once in a while. It's fun to watch. And uh, Yeah, sports are so cool. Sports are so cool. Uh, it's also good being away from home because my dad gets very, very angry when our team does not play well. And our dog knows enough now that, because she knows my dad will yell at the TV, that if any sports game is on, she leaves the room. <laughs> <laughs> She's a smart girl. It's like Pavlov's bell, but it's like sports. I think your dog and I have a lot of things in common. This is probably. She didn't read as much, though. Um. <laughs> I think that's probably the fault of her parents. Uh, um, not not a ton going on. Like you know, I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the podcast, school is in full swing. I mean, we're in the middle of the library in the recording room right now because we can't meet during the night this week. Um, that's like our regular recording time is, is just like, this can be probably off air, but it's just like it's not convenient with my class schedule. But we'll figure out something so that we can do it because also I enjoy having my bottle of Pinot Grigio when we record. Exactly. I like getting progressively drunker as I learn. And I know y'all's week depends on getting a timely and you <laughs> yeah. know, punctual I know, we know all it. four of you love getting love the consistency of the times our episodes come out so well, we'll figure it out on behalf of you listeners alright Kiki's gonna give the plugs and we're gonna drop our next episode yeah it's gonna be a biggie um, <clears throat> well thank you so much for listening you can find us on twitter at at the world podcast uh, we always follow back Got no new reviews this week. We would love it if you gave us a review. Um, sure would be any like positive criticism, not positive criticism, um, constructive, constructive criticism, criticism, positive comments. When you do give leave us a comment, we will read it on air. So it's cool if it's funny. If this is like your claim to fame is writing funny podcast reviews, I mean, we'll help you get there. Well, my, one of my favorite things when my podcast I listen to, they uh, they read out like really incendiary, hateful comments and make fun of them. So if you don't have a bad comment. I mean, even if you if you gave us, like, hateful comments but still gave us five stars, that would be funny because then we would rank you according to how hot you are like while you were being mean to us, <laughs> <laughs> which actually seems to be kind of my dating life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bobby Peak. Anyway, uh, and you can find our Facebook page, um, The World We Know It podcast. you find updated episodes there regularly. Yeah, and I think that's that's our plugs. Yep, those are all. Um, at the World Podcast on Twitter. Follow us back, write us a review. We'd really appreciate it. And we will catch you next week. For our next country. A two-parter episode. Bow, bow, bow. Mexico! Mexico. Um, so we're going to, this is going to be our first two-parter. We're going to see how it goes. Um, if you guys want to get ahead of the curve in like the two days that you'll have before the, when this episode comes out, um, and when we record, you know, get in touch with us. We're always looking for guests, interesting people, and tell your friends about us. Yep. All right, yeah. and until then, uh, goodbye. goodbye. <laughs>